This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more deals. Hey everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Sales Intelligence Weekly Podcast from Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. Today, we have a great episode for all you sales leaders and trainers out there. In this episode, we'll dive into coaching strategies that you can use to help your reps succeed. We'll explore how coaching has evolved during the pandemic and how you can determine what is and is not effective when it comes to your coaching methods for your sales organization. This is a hot topic right now. Over the past two years, we've seen changes in how sales teams function with many people working from home and how coaches have had to adapt to really make sure their coaching efforts are being internalized and produce real-time impact. Joining us today is a leader in the sales coaching community. And here to share his knowledge with us is Chad Sanderson, Managing Partner at Value Selling Associates. Chad, thanks for coming. Hey, thanks for having me. Why don't you take a, a couple minutes, tell us about yourself, tell us about value selling. Uh, there's not much to tell about me. Uh, oh, come on. I've, uh, I've, been in, uh, I've been in sales and marketing now ugh, for 20, let's just say over 20 years. Um, I like to say, if you could see me that the gray in my goatee is actually platinum highlights, cause that's how the kids do it, but, <laughs> but it's not. Um, so I actually started my career in marketing, believe it or not, and got my MBA in marketing and then was working for, um, a company where they put a new CEO in place who I couldn't stand. So I decided to step down from that role and walked into the VP of worldwide sales office and said, Hey, give me that territory you're trying to hire for. He gave me a shot. I was lucky enough to be trained in the value selling framework right out of the gate. Um, and it changed the course of my career, um, my personal life, just the trajectory of, of everywhere I was going. So as I went through my career and began leading sales organizations, uh, I kept implementing it. Uh, I went out and, of course, got trained on everything else because I figured, well, you know, if this is good, something's got to be better. Uh, but no, the I kept coming back to value selling because it was just so simple and it's so common sense. It's built from the buyer back. It is a framework. It's never a script. It's something that enables us to be authentic and consistent. Um, and so I, I, I don't know, four companies, I think I rolled it out at. And um, one of the last companies we ended up selling off to KPMG and the person who originally trained me all those years ago called me up and said, hey, you have a passion for this stuff. You need to come be part of the crew. And so four years ago, I did what no normal human being does and gave up the executive life with the assistance and the benefits and all that stuff and started my own franchise and uh, have been wildly successful. Thank goodness. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. So did you, did I hear you say any normal human being or just human being? Because yeah, <laughs> just any normal human being, really. <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, it was a big, the first time Rick called me and said, Hey, you know, you've implemented it. You've seen it be successful. You know what it takes to make an organization be successful. You know how to coach to it. Um, and you've seen it fail. He's like, so you have the perfect mix. You should come do this. Um, and you're a type a squared personality. So you're totally going to just, you know, hit the ground running. Um, and yeah, you know, I had just gotten actually the, the week that I started the company, I started the company two days later, I filed for divorce. Two days later, my dog died. Two days after that, I found out both parents were terminal, all in the span of seven days. Uh, so that was like the groundwork <laughs> for, for the wow. starting point. Yeah, it was uh, it was a challenging time, but um, yeah, I didn't have a plan B, and maybe that's why I was successful. I was just like, it's either this, or I'm going to wander the earth like Cain because I cannot 
I can't go back to working for somebody else. Okay. Did, did you want, just out of pure curiosity, was there a cane wandering moment? No, actually, you know, it's funny. You get really scared because all that money you spent your whole life saving up and trying not to pay to X, Y's and stuff. Uh, all of a sudden it starts going out the, going out the window because you're, I mean, basically for anybody who's not aware, those of us that do value selling associates, uh, we're 100% commission sales reps. So we have to we have to prospect every day. We have to sell every day. If we're good, we're closing every day. And then we get to do all of the customization, the account management, the rollout, the training. Um, so there's a lot of skill sets that go into being successful at this. The least of not which is your ability to prospect. And for me, I have no problem picking up the phone and doing you know dials and and sending emails and all of that stuff. But it took about six or seven months before I started to build the pipeline that. Uh, that got me to kind of where I'm at today, but it was definitely uh, it was definitely a fun journey. Fun journey. Um, you know, uh, I, I've lost uh, people in my life. We lost a son about a about a year and a half ago, little oh, little I'm under so a sorry. year and a half ago, uh, cancer as well. And uh, so when when you say you know, all of those things that you went through, man, I I know what that means. I know how that feels. So thanks for sharing with that. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. All right, my friend. Let's go. Let's let's have this conversation. First, I want to set some setting and context, right? So these days, it's common to really think about sales coaches and sales managers as like the samesies, not the same thing. Uh, but the skill sets between the two are, dra- you know, the drastically different. They're not the same. Chad, how are they different? How is a sales coach and a sales manager different? So you know, it's it's a great question because we work with a lot. We work with a lot of companies to get this drilled into their heads. When you think about the easiest way to think about it is a manager is doing what is best for the organization in terms of administrative um, execution of roles and responsibilities. A coach is someone who is trying to uh, change behavior in and inspire other people to evolve, change, be better, uh, understand, you know, kind of uh, where they can go if they're willing to, uh, you know, willing to put in the effort. A manager can be, I mean, both need to be, I think, really detail-oriented, but it's a different level of detail. When I'm managing an organization, I'm managing the flow, the you know, who's off when, how many people we have in what territories, what, you know, what's the comp plan look like, what is what does the enablement plan look like? When I'm coaching someone, I have to be able to understand who that person is as a person, first and foremost, what it is that they want to achieve. Because one of the things we'll talk about is that people often think if you're in sales, it's all about the money. And actually the research shows that money's the worst human motivator for any task that requires a heavy cognitive load. What it comes down to is autonomy, mastery, and purpose. This is all, and I'm not taking credit for this is Daniel Pink's work. Um, but when we build it into the coaching, we really have to stop and ask them, what is it you want to accomplish? Now they may, you know, off the top of their head say, Hey, I want to make more money. Well, okay. Why? What is it you want to do with that? What is it you want to accomplish? So we can build their, their vision, their dreams into a plan to help them get that. So they're personally invested. It's two totally different skill sets. And in some organizations, I don't think they're structured in a way where they can be the same person. Ooh. Um, okay. So let, let, let's, let's go there. So do all sales managers need to have a, a sales coach skill set? They don't have to. So it depends on the size of the organization. So if we're talking, you know, global enterprise that can afford to have those types of resources, I'm a firm believer that the best results we see are those where the coach is separate. The coach is someone that is not the manager, 
because what we see is the manager gets so busy managing, they don't ever coach. And we know, uh, you know, the, the data shows us that if somebody receives, I think it's just as little as three hours of coaching a month, their production is like 23, 24% higher. But managers get inundated with, oh, let's see, Slack went off 123 times in the last minute, and I just got 500 emails, and now I got a VP wanting to report, and they get all caught up in that. So it becomes a challenge for them to carve out coaching time, and it takes a different mental mindset. You have to go into a coaching session with someone. We call it positive intent. You have to go in with positive intent to make sure that the energy that you're giving off and the way that you're interacting, you're completely focused on that person. And oftentimes we'll just see managers be too damn busy and they start trying to multitask, which don't even get me started on that. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So that, that's fascinating. So from your perspective, really the sales manager, sales coach um, should be different functions. They're different skill sets. They serve different purposes. Am I hearing you right? Yeah, that would, I mean, that would be the ideal. That would be, you know, rainbows, puppies, and unicorns, but in or some organizations, well, that's all, that's the trifecta. <laughs> that's the trifecta of good. I think. Yeah. You <laughs> rainbows puppies and unicorns man that's it so yeah i mean in some organizations it's not possible and so then you have to you have to spend more effort making sure that those managers are trained to coach mm. and held accountable for actually executing it so it can be done i'm just saying yeah, ideal state i would and i we've got some clients to do that um, ideal state, you would want the managers to understand the importance of coaching, give them some training in it, but the accountability and responsibility, I think is much more effective when you have somebody who's really focused on just that, just coaching people up, whether that be a member of the team that has been elevated to that, or has taken on that challenge, or in some cases, um, you know, sales enablement may be able to, uh, play that role, assuming sales enablement has the respect of the field. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. So. Um, you, you just touched on um, one issue, right? The, the amount of whirlwind, right? The, the pings, the emails, the instant messages, the Slack, all of the stuff that's pulling people away to distract or undo that focus that you just talked about. From your experience, what are some of the other great challenges that sales coaches face? Oh, good question. So the biggest one's obviously time. This, the second, and I would say it's a challenge that's, that's kind of goes outside of just sales in general is how to approach someone with in this, in the current cultural state that we have, how do you approach someone and challenge them to be better without potentially triggering them? And there needs to be a level of empathy uh, without, without kind of folding up. Like the best coaches are the ones that are going to call your BS the ones that are going to be like, no, you're, you're not being, you're not being honest with yourself or you're not doing the work or you're, you know, pulling that off and understanding that you have to communicate it based on the, the profile of the individual you're coaching and how they like to be coached. That takes a lot of cognitive effort. And it can be a bit of a challenge because I can't coach the same person the same way. I couldn't coach you the same way I would coach Mark or, or Johnny. I just, it doesn't necessarily translate. There's some framework there. Absolutely. But it is a human to human experience. Uh, and I think it can be a serious challenge there. The second biggest I would say is, is probably having somebody understand that everybody needs a coach. Like Tiger has a coach, LeBron has a coach and everybody can benefit from it. You know, you'll get a personal trainer because you want to drop some weight, but you won't listen to a coach who's trying to help you achieve 
success, financial reward, uh, achieve something higher in your career. It's, the resistance there sometimes I think is a challenge for them as well. Mm. Okay. So um, we, we've touched on this kind of uh, broadly, but I want to go deeper here. Um, so the pandemic, right? So th <laughs> this is, this is the, this is the topic du jour. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's all over the place, but it's really caused sales coaching to evolve now that there's not as much face-to-face -face time, you know, time between leaders and reps, there's been an evolution. So how has the pandemic caused sales coaching to evolve? Yeah. So we have to rely on technology more than yeah. we ever did before, but there's, there are things that you can do. You have to schedule the time. So zoom is a great tool or, or whichever one, whatever. I'm, no, I'm going to stay with Zoom. I'm not going to say anything about teams. Zoom's a cool tool. So it allows you to see somebody and you have to be aware of how you translate through the lens. So remember when at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody had those wildly annoying virtual backgrounds on? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never <laughs> used those every day and bothered people. No, I don't. What? Well, what happens is it actually flattens out the image. So it makes the human brain more challenged to read the facial expressions from somebody. You also, you want that human to human connection. So, I mean, I joke, I mean, anybody who's seen my picture knows I'm as bald as a baby, but I always tell them like, look, I didn't do my hair today. So don't worry about doing yours. And I don't care if there's laundry behind you. We want to be human, right? Just kind of like when you and I started talking, you were asking about some of the stuff in my background uh, on my bookshelf and stuff. So we have to go a little bit step further, but we also have to be more available when they need us. This is where tools like Slack or any kind of messaging thing, like just in time, like they have a question that opens up a coaching moment. We have to make ourselves available there as well. So I think the biggest shift has been increasing the awareness sales coaches need of how they execute in the environment and how that impacts someone else. But then also leveraging the other tools that we have at our disposal to be a much more consistent and available presence than if we were just scheduling a weekly one-on-one -on -one with somebody who showed up at the office. I think it's had some actual advantages if you can get around some of the hurdles that we know if you're on video in order to really come across with the body language and stuff, you have to amp it up. I mean, the vast majority of human communication is nonverbal. Right. And so if all you can see is that I have a dress shirt on and I'm wearing Nike, you don't know I'm wearing Nike shorts, right? Like I've got to keep my hands in the video. I've got to, I've got to use the facial expressions. And I think that's been a, a shift for some people. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you, you just said something that, that really triggered me that that's been on my mind with my team. That's just in time. Um, so this, you know, how has the pandemic um, either amped up or amped down this need for this kind of just in time, which is, you know, code for change or, or, you know, at the ready change, you know, tell me more about that. Yeah. So if you think about it, I mean, the pandemic's been, it's, it's an interesting situation. It's been unfortunate for so many people, yeah. um, but it's created some interesting changes. Like for the first time uh, in human, in human history, or at least let's say my history, the whole globe has a shared experience and we all have impacts from that. We're seeing huge impacts in terms of mental health. We're seeing it, it negatively impact um, the, the attrition rate or the loyalty to the company, people wanting to attrition out, right? The great resignation. And I think when you, when you get down to it, being connected is really what we're after. Everybody wants a human connection. So I can use just in time. If I 
if I am paying attention to it. Um, I'll use Slack as an example. With some of our clients, we have specific coaching rooms set up. And I guarantee uh, within no more than 90 minutes, assuming I'm not on PTO, you put a question in there and you're going to get an answer from me or one of my team members. And we're going to help you. We're going to jump in and we're going to we're going to talk you through it. We're not going to give you the answer. That's not what the coach is there to do. But I'm going to help you figure out how to get the answer you need. And it really, it, it builds a sense of connection and it builds a sense of loyalty and it helps be that cohesive team glue that you used to have just because you were hanging out in the office, sitting by the water cooler, talking about the latest Ted Lasso episode or yeah, Game yeah. of Thrones or whatever you're into, right? Oh, that's, that's funny. Love me some Ted Lasso. Most that's positive crazy. person in sports. <laughs> okay. Great show. It is a great show. So, okay. So do you foresee this? these pandemic related changes becoming a standard in coaching going forward. I mean, is, are, are we, is this the new normal? Oh, you know, I hate that term by the way. I, well, and it's one of those things. It's like, you know, I didn't see the pandemic coming. So if you'd asked me this, you know, 19 and a half months ago, I'd be like, no, it's fine. Um, I don't, I don't know that I haven't answered that. Here's my guess though. Yeah. Some of the things that we've learned in terms of becoming effective coaches in virtual do translate to in-person, but because of the, different levels or speeds at which businesses are going back to in person, I think we're going to end up in a situation where there's going to be this hybrid. There'll still be times where we get together, but the ability to be connected, to have that just-in-time ability to outreach to somebody, get help with a deal, get help with something I'm struggling with. And even in coaching, I, mean, I often am going further than just what's going on with their career. I'm trying to coach the entire person. So sometimes it's just they're reaching out because they need a friend and they need some perspective. And, and so being there and being available um, is an asset to any member of a sales team, right? Anybody really, but we're specifically talking sales. The sales team, the sales job is hard. It is tough. I mean, especially let's get into SDRs and the prospecting side of it. I mean, you're talking about living in a world of rejection. That's just what they do. They have to have I think are becoming used to having access to and the availability of somebody who can keep them positive, keep them focused, help them understand where they can make some tweaks to increase their results or their impacts. I don't think that's going anywhere. And in fact, I'm not even sure I want it to go anywhere because the results we see as a, as in terms of providing that just in time are significant. There's significant upticks for the organizations. And I think that's going to continue. Okay. So in this brave new world that we're talking about, and again, the word pandemic, I don't know if we had bingo or had to do some other special game that uh, required you to do things, um, we would all be doing crazy things all the time because the pandemic is used often. Yes. Um, but in this brave new world, what are you seeing organizations and more pointedly sales leaders do today to build a culture of coaching? Yeah, well, let's let's assume that some of them are trying. Um, so uh, there's there's a shift, right? There's been a shift. We've seen it from a from a generational um, evolution standpoint, right? So you go from baby boomers to Gen X, millennials, Gen Z. There's some pretty large social perspective swings there, yeah. and so it depends a lot on the leadership. It starts at the top. If you don't have someone who is who believes that a culture of coaching is effective then those that need the coaching aren't going to stick around in the organization. But when we're trying to build new teams, trying to build the loyalty, one of the things that we've seen be the most effective since this whole lockdown and pandemic stuff is the investment in the individual's career, the individual mm -hmm. team members. 
So they have to, because so labor market's so tight right now, everybody's dealing with the great resignation. You have to create a sense of belonging. And in fact, we have a customer who just told us last week that one of the keys for them in building that cohesion was them getting all of their new hires who haven't ever met each other. I mean, in six months, they haven't seen each other face to face, get them into a workshop, a training, a virtual workshop that we run. And it becomes part of their underlying plan to build that team dynamic and build that cohesion because we're putting them into breakout rooms. We're walking them through a guided process of learning. We're giving them a chance to connect. And that's actually um, become, it, it was an unintended consequence. I mean, I would love to say it was a master plan, but it didn't work that way. Um, it, it was an unintended oh consequence of the way we restructured all the virtual workshops that we do is that it is truly team building as a result. So getting them together, putting the, giving them the opportunity to learn something together, investing in them, showing them that, hey, we're willing to invest in having you coached or having you trained. We're willing to do virtual events. We're willing to understand your level of comfort to come to regional events or not come to regional events. They have to over-communicate more because of the virtual. They have to be more present, more persistent. Um, and I think they have to get a little bit more creative in what never would have flown two years ago is now just part of the modus operandi if we're going to build organizations that are going to be successful and consistent. Yeah. So you've mentioned some really great ideas and for any sales leaders that are, that are listening right now, um, phenomenal what to do to, to connect our sales teams and let them be human. Um, you know, what else are you seeing sales leaders do to ensure that these frontline sales folks, especially these new ones that maybe have never met any other employee of a company, um, you know, what are, what are you seeing that these sales leaders are doing to ensure that these frontline sales managers and people are equipped with the right tools and skills to be effective coaches? Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of assessment. So we're seeing a lot of organizations do deep assessments. I mean, it started a year ago, mm -hmm. um, but they're doing deep assessments on how the tech stack impact, let's back up, how the organizational structure impacts the tech stack, which impacts the behavior. And so when we look across how is the org structured? Is my leader in the same time zone? And that seems kind of odd, but I've, I mean, I've worked for people that were on the other side of the planet and you definitely were never able to get a hold of them. And so looking at how all of that interacts, looking at technologies that will enable and support uh, the coaching and making it a focus where it is celebrated internally. Like when you celebrate milestones uh, and you give people the recognition and it can be I mean, I've seen companies literally, if somebody hits a milestone, a coaching milestone, or they've been coached to a milestone, it can be something as simple as a LinkedIn reference from the CFO or CEO, or it could be, you know, if the organization is large enough, Hey, we're going to have the regional president, um, assuming everybody's vaccinated and everybody can get there. We're going to, you're going to go to lunch. You're going to have a lunch with them. So it's paying attention and celebrating that creating mechanisms that don't overwhelm, but that highlights what it is that individuals are accomplishing. What we want to do is celebrate the outcomes of coaching because coaching in and of itself needs to be part of the DNA, but the result of the outcome of the coaching is really what the organization wants and really what the people want. They want to be celebrated. They want their accomplishments to be recognized in a respectful way that makes them feel like they're making progress and focusing on that career development. I mean, you don't have a choice anymore because nobody's sticking around. If they're not, if they're not getting career development, they're out the door. 
So putting together a true progression of here's where you can go inside of this organization, making it very clear, celebrating the milestones along the way and investing in the time and the tech to give them uh, the ability to do as much team building in, in virtual as possible. It's kind of the pronged approach that we're seeing. Some, I will say, uh, probably go a little too far on the tech side. <laughs> think think tech's going to solve what is essentially a human behavioral problem. Um, and some go too far in not setting um, the bumpers in the lane to keep everybody heading in the same direction. There's this lack of this almost fear of accountability, because if you're going to have a coaching culture, you have to have accountability and how we pull off accountability. That's, you know, that can have different consequences for different people, depending on how they respond to it. We're not out to trigger anybody. We're not out to be offensive. We have to be human and understand some people are struggling, um, seriously struggling with PTSD and things as a result of the pandemic. Um, and we have to build all of that in, but we need some soft bumpers for accountability to get them across, you know, the finish line as well. I'm seeing organizations invest a lot in trying to redefine what that is in a way that is human, inclusive, uh, and and allows them to have a clear view of where they can go. Yeah, this talk of the human being is really uh, just a fantastic shift, a you know, major difference from when I started my career oh, um, yeah. a, a little while yeah. ago, and yeah. you know, where where it is today. I mean, it's it's a phenomenal shift in the right direction. And I love hearing you talk about this. Let's let me hear about the risks, more about the risks for these organizations. So, what are the risks of not having a good coach sales coaching system in place for your sales organization? What are the risks? So, yeah. So, first and foremost, will be lack of consistency and performance. And so, what we see, I mean, we know Gong.io did that research. Um, Chris Orlob uh, put it out, and, and it, I think they analyzed something like 3.5 million calls. To find out what set teams apart, what were, what was it that made teams consistently crush their number uh, versus those that didn't, and it came down to one thing, and that's consistency of motion and behavior from rep to rep. Well, you're not. We're nobody's a cookie cutter person, so everybody has different strengths and weaknesses. So if you don't have a consistent approach to coaching, then you're not going to be able to achieve the optimum RPM of your sales engine because everybody's moving at slightly different speeds. They're they're not quite sure where they fit in the engine. So that's the big one. And that translates to less deals, smaller deals, more discounting, not hitting revenue targets because you don't have an engine that is sustainable. It's constantly going to be breaking down. And so that's one of the big ones. The second is, and it's so timely because everybody's talking about it, is the lack of belief by the field rep that they are valued and being invested in because they know other organizations are making those moves. So you may have, uh, you may have an attrition problem uh, that shows up. That then creates a whole bunch of costs associated with recruitment, onboarding, time to productivity for the new rep, and then all of the other things you have to invest in to make sure they become part of the DNA of the team. And so there's some pretty significant risks in terms of performance, employee happiness, and overall ability to achieve or exceed revenue targets for the organization. Those are three off the top of my head. I could go on for hours about the risks associated with not having coach. I could start listing, well, no, I probably shouldn't start listing bad examples, but anyway, I could start listing off some places where I've been that treat us like a human being. That was not a, that was not in the, that was not a phrase that was used. No human being. You, you are a cog in the wheel and you will do the machine and you will do your job. Damn it. Yes. Yes. I can remember being yelled at by a, by a, a VP, a, a 
Oh no, he's a CRO at one time. And this is going back. So nobody get upset. This didn't happen in the last 15 years, but it, he literally was the sales meeting was, you don't want to hit your effing number. There's the effing door and you can walk the F out of it. And I'm like, do you even know my name at this point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I've, I've seen that. I've seen that uh, scene play out myself. Um, okay. So uh, a couple, a couple final questions here and, and we'll wrap. Um, you know, what does it take to actually be an effective coach? So we've talked about the risk. We've talked about, you know, what, what organizations are doing. What does it take for the individual? You know, what is it, what do they need to be an effective coach? So first and foremost, I think they have to be, they have to have the ability to be radically honest with themselves to understand, do they have the skill set? Do they have the emotional fortitude? Do they have the willingness to commit to being a coach? Because a coach has to be there. I mean, you have to be present for somebody. So you have to be honest and say, number one, is that something you want to do or have the capability to do? Two, I think they need to be, they have to have really high emotional intelligence, especially in the virtual world. They have to be able to understand that what somebody is saying to you is not necessarily what they are feeling. And you have to be able to tell the difference in order to help somebody make the realizations that are necessary as a coach. You also have to be willing to hold, you know, hold people accountable. And that takes it to a little bit harder side of the skill set, um, almost harsher at times, but it is the, it is the ability to manage expectations. Like you don't just jump into a coaching thing with an employee you have to sit down you want to set the expectations here's how we're going to operate here's what we found to work best what's going to work for you come to an agreement a lot of coaches sometimes will just jump in and say i told you to swing that bat the other way why aren't you doing it eh, no that doesn't work so you also have to be you have to be patient and i'll be honest for me this was the this was the hardest struggle in my career um type a squared i move 120 miles an hour but you have to slow down you have to slow down to be a coach and you have to be patient that even though you know the answer for this person or this group of people, you know the answer, you can't just tell them and expect them to have the same outcome. You have to guide them to the realization. You have to coach them to help them understand this is what's possible instead of just telling them. And a lot of people, because of the speed of business today, a lot of people just like to say stuff, just tell people, go do this, go do that. I need you to do that. That's a manager's approach. The coach is, let's talk about how, what, what happens if we don't do it? What's the risk? What if we do do it and fail? What, what could the potential outcome be over here? You have to have more of a conversation. The patience for me is, was and continues to be, if I'm honest, the, the largest struggle for me. But one of those things that I think is critical. Um, and they have to have a command. They have to have the ability to build trust, credibility, and rapport with the people they're coaching. And some people are better at that than others. <laughs> yeah. Boy, um, you know, in almost every single episode we have done, the, the idea of trust has come up, Chad. I mean, that is a pervasive idea um, around every um, topic that we've talked about in any of these episodes. That's so interesting you bring it up. So how, how do you know? So you're employing all of these, these ideas, these best practices, and these things that you've been sharing. Um, how do you know if your coaching methods are actually working? Uh, you'll, see it, you'll see it in a couple of ways. You'll see it in the consistent execution by a larger group of people, the people that are being uh, coached. So if you want to run a test inside of an org, not that, I mean, you can, but if you want to run a test inside of an organization, take five members of your team, give them consistent coaching for a quarter and don't give to another five and then compare the results. And what you're going to see is more consistent uh, control of the deals, uh, better sales velocity, higher deal 
sizes, less discounting, more, and this is one that the CFO usually loves, better pipeline accuracy and more usage of the technology. Because if they're being coached, then we have the opportunity to show them how something like Salesforce or Outreach or any of their tech stack actually enables them to be more effective. We can turn that as part of the coaching approach. And so you're going to see that kind of consistency uh, from those people. You'll know it when you also see the happiness quotient for your reps, because they've got somebody that they trust that's in their corner, that's trying to help them be better, uh, that's dedicated to their success and is willing to give them time. And that's the one asset nobody has enough of. I mean, it, it, you can't get it back. And all we're doing is, you know, we're filling our inboxes and Slack and text messages and watching TikTok and Facebook and Instagram. I mean, except when it's down for six hours. It's down. You know, <laughs> right. right? We're, we're wasting so much time. And so many people don't really connect and, and being able to spend time with someone to help coach them. It has a huge positive impact on their outlook. Uh, on their mindset and quite frankly, their loyalty to the organization. Mm. Okay. So sales coaching is somewhat of a buzzword, right? So we hear this <laughs> leveraged constantly. Um, there's countless tools, aids to sales coach and I'm air quoting, you know, nobody can see me, but I'm, I'm dancing by myself. Um, so in addition to your own content, what other tech content or data sources should, you know, a sales coach potentially leverage? I would say the best sales coaches, in my opinion, are voracious learners and topic and, and focus is secondary to the desire to learn and feature it. I've gotten ideas from coaching, from watching, hell, from watching the Penn and Teller masterclass. I got some ideas to wrap into the coaching stuff. So somebody that's constantly putting, you know, thought into how do I get better? How do I, how do I continually evolve um, and <laughs> you can find it anywhere. You just have to, you have to be able to be willing to, to do the work. I also would say that effective individuals also have coaches. Effective coaches also have coaches or mentors, call them whatever you want. I mean, I have a, um, I call them the panel because they're not always nice to me, but I have like five people that I've known for many, many years that have, that know how I like to be coached have no problem holding my feet to the fire. I mean, I'm a smack me in the face kind of guy. Yeah. So when I'm, when I'm not holding up my end of the bargain, I have to rely on them to backstop me. And so thinking and, and making sure we're leveraging not only the tech and the learning and all the things out there, but other people, because it is a people, it's a person to person connection to coach someone. And while there's tech out there that will help, nothing is going to replace, look, I got a personal trainer app on my phone. You know what the difference is between that personal trainer app and the one that I go to the gym and see? I could turn the damn one on my phone off. The personal trainer at the gym is, no, he's like, uh-uh, no, sorry. Pick that up. You can do it. There's a huge difference. So while the tech can help, um, I, I got to go back to, it's got to be that human to human connection. I love that. All right, Chad. Um, listen, brother, thank you. Uh, really, really enjoyed speaking with you today. Uh, next time you're in town or, you know, I'm in Denver or you're out uh, this way towards Salt Lake, please, you know, hit me up. I'd love to get together and grab some dinner, uh, hang out with you a little bit. Uh, man, it's been my pleasure to be here. I can't thank you enough. Again, time's one asset. We can't get back. I appreciate you sharing some of it with me and we are, you're definitely on. In fact, I'm going to plan a trip to Salt Lake just to come hang out. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
And listeners, don't forget to check out the description of this podcast where you will be able to find free resources to help you improve your sales experience from both value selling and primary intelligence. Make sure to subscribe and tune in next week as we continue to explore topics on how to improve sales experience, increase win rates, and elevate sales enablement. In the meantime, check us out at primary-intel.com slash podcast to find out more on how you can tap into your buyer feedback to win more deals. We'll see you next time.